You're listening to Community Now on Hope FM with Keith Jones Bookshop, serving the community for over 50 years. Visit keithjones.co.uk. Well, it's the last uh, Wednesday in the month. Now, you know what that means, don't you? Well, it's Community uh, Action Network Day, and where we always reveal at the end of the month the, the community hero organization in the spotlight. And the lovely Hannah, who is the engagement lead with Can, is with me in the studio. She's She's got a lovely Christmassy pullover on of you. Did you have a nice time? Thank you, I did. You did. And what did you do with the family? Family, yep. Lots of food, lots of fun, um, looking after each other and, and generally having a nice time. Now Thank you, you. You said that one of your favourite movies is A Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh, you know, genius. It, it's, it's classic, that one. It is. But you said you also watched Scrooge. Which version of Scrooge did you the watch? The Bill Murray one from the 80s. Oh, it's still a Scrooge, classic. That, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. That's, that's really, really funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, fantastic. No. Very important question. Did you do the January sales yesterday for I Boxing Day? I did not. I um, took the dog for a walk and then it was turkey and TV um, <laughs> because Christmas Day was quite busy. So yesterday we chilled. Thank you. Uh, I think most people did because actually it, it, the news said that the, the sales were a bit of a disaster area. You know, I think John Lewis and M&S weren't even open, you know. Well, I think it's quite nice to give people Boxing Day off. Just Yeah, but then so we, had, we had Black Friday, didn't we? And actually, I, I, I suppose because the retailers were really worried about whether or not they'd get anything in for Christmas, mm. all of the sales started... Well, in November. Well, yeah, in, yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, uh, I had to buy a new television. I, I got that actually in November. So uh, I got Black Friday prices on it, you know, which was amazing. Yeah. Anyway, can do you have a rest over the holiday period? We have closed the office, but some folk like myself are dipping in and out of work. But mostly, we're off until the oh, I don't know. I think it's the second of Jan. Well, I know you don't like to miss your broadcasting, do you? <laughs> no, 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 we've had fun for punishment. We've had fun in the last it's year, haven't we? It's been lovely, Blair. I, I, Thank you. I've lost kind of how many organisations that we've had. It's twelve plus because some months we've like we've we've had multiple winners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which has just been an absolute pleasure to be able to share what they do. And of course, we're still on the disability theme. We uh, are. We're going into January because actually we really announced today the January one, don't we? But we're carrying the the uh, disability theme into January. Yeah, we are. We had some really good. Pitches. We, as you know, we ask community groups to send us what they do to support others. We featured Sex with a Difference. The wonderful Lorraine was on the radio with you. That was the first time the I've interviewed the... anybody on the ceiling. Oh, bless! Because she was she was in bed and, and looking up at a television screen. You know, and, uh, and uh, she's got all the mod cons to help her life, and you know, she yeah. she makes the most of every minute. She's and actually, a wonderful she, woman. She was a very good uh, person to interview. You know, I just switched her on and off. She went. Yeah, know, she's good value. <laughs> money she un, not surprisingly Lorraine from Sex with a Difference is invited for many conferences and interviews she is absolutely incredible and inspiring with the help she gives people with disabilities with their sexual health so we we featured her we featured SWAD and we've got another group to feature through through January fantastic and of course looking looking a wee bit further forward into February we're looking at mental health it's Youth Mental Health Youth Week mental health, yeah. in February. Yeah. So we're asking um, volunteering community groups who support young people to send us a, a pitch uh, and um, and we'll vote vote for the, the worthy winners. Yeah, and of course, I mean, mental health, particularly through COVID and so on, it has had a massive impact on young people where the suicide level, very sadly, with many young people has, has gone 
sharply up. Uh, but there's some cracking organisations out uh-huh. there, so get get your applications in. <laughs> now, for the ones who haven't yet signed up to CAN, uh, what should they do? Well, Community Action Network, it's a charity to support other not-for-profit groups across the whole of Dorset. Mm-hmm. We love the... the Big guys, all the charities that you'll have heard of, and we love to champion the small guys, people who are working to a, to a budget of under 10 grand and who work from their living room to do good things for other people. They just need to go on our website, which is CAN100, have a look at what we offer. Everything we offer, 99.9% of what we offer is free, and we help community groups, voluntary groups, charities to run legally to find volunteers, to help them find funding, to help them meet one another, which is my job, so that they can collaborate with one another Mm -hmm. and help more people in the community that way. So that's what we offer. So come and and find us. Now, obviously, one of the things that all of the winning groups, one of the things that you invite them to do is to come on the radio. Absolutely. And uh, what sort of feedback have you had from the people who have come? I guess that some of them have come in in fear and trembling, meeting that Blair Crawford, you know, who's going to put them on the spot. (laughs) You have a uh, you have a lovely way, and you put people at ease. But it's really daunting. I know I didn't want to come on the radio for three months until I met you, and then I thought, oh, go on, I'll, I'll give him a go. Um, so, people who who are our featured group for the month, our spotlight for each month, can come and be interviewed with Blair, and we cover um, you on our social media. And, and what we do is we have weekly newsletters that go to our other charities and members, and we tell everyone what you do. Um, but we like to do that for all of our, our all of our members. And in the new year, we're going to. Blair and Dan from Hope have, have very generously offered to um, host a webinar on the yes. 1st of Feb yeah. where community groups can come along and just meet you online, find out about the reduced um, offer, offer yeah. the exclusive offer to, to members um, and what it's like to... to come on the radio really but just by meeting you I think people will be at ease Yeah and I think I mean obviously we're a community radio station and one of the, one of the very important things is that we give a voice to the community without doubt and, and I'm sure Hannah would, would back me up uh, that there are so many amazing organisations, uh, voluntary organisations full of people who are giving their time mm-hmm. to make a real difference, doing all manner of things. Mm-hmm. You know, during COVID, you were enabling people to co- go to the centres, uh, putting them at their ease whilst they waited for their charity injections, yep. uh, and, and doing all manner of things, vi- visiting people in their homes, taking them food, whatever. But I mean, that's only a little bit, just the tip of a very, very big iceberg where the, the work which is undertaken really uh, in the voluntary sector is just astounding, isn't it? It is. I mean, we've we mentioned we've we've featured at least twelve organisations over the last year. There are thousands across Dorset, and we want to meet as many of you as we can and support you. Over the last year, though, we've had food providers, haven't we? Yeah. Um, support for the homeless, um, obviously disability yeah, support, home. young carers. Um, the dads group that oh, came yeah, on, um, and I think your next guest is supporting men as well. So, there's if you if there's a need, there will be a group that supports with it. So, um, if look on Can's website, get in touch with us. If you're a member of the public who's got a loved one or yourself who needs help, and you are already being supported or you're not sure where to begin reach out to us and we'll be able to help you to find we've got a really our direction 
directory of services of the thousands of community groups are in Can's brains. So you need to talk to us as humans yeah. and we'll be able to help you find a group. I, I genuinely believe there is something for everybody. And also we understand that many of the organisations are very, very small groups. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes only a few volunteers and you haven't got time to do fundraising and you certainly haven't got time to afford to come on the radio. Uh, we we, we want to change all of that, which is why we're partnering with Canon. And uh, so go on their website. The webinar is on the 1st of February. It is. It's going to be all out, all on the website from the 8th of Jan. Yeah. So forgive us if it's not up there yet. We've yeah. had a holiday. Yeah, so 8th, 8th of January onwards and you can, you can hear about how you can come on the radio. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if you're just a small organisation. It doesn't really matter if you've never been on the radio before. In fact, you know, I have fun, you know, because... Well, all the people who come in here, their knees are knocking together, you know. It's true. And, and they're on the Valium as well, you know, <laughs> uh, because they're thinking, what have I put myself in for here? Yeah. Uh, but listen, I can honestly uh, tell you, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that Hannah can back me up here, that we haven't had a single person that, yes, everybody's been a bit nervous, particularly the ones for the first time, but most people go outside the, the studio and they think can we have can we do that can again we, they please? are beaming yeah. aren't they yeah. and, and they're so pleased with yeah. how it's gone yeah and then we've had i remember when the samaritans were on with you they were volunteer there were people phoning up to volunteer yes while yes. charlie was being a Interviewed. Yes, there so were. So the power of, of radio yeah. is, um, is yeah. we're very grateful for you. Yeah. You're listening to Community Now on Hope FM with Keith Jones Bookshop, serving the community for over 50 years. Visit keithjones.co.uk. Well, the time has almost come for uh, Hannah to reveal. Uh, in fact, it, it's the, uh, this is, was the December and the, it's going to be the January Hero of the Month. Uh, We've got one more announcement today because we've already done one, haven't mm-hmm. we? Uh, so, now, what was the criteria for this? It was uh, disability, the day of international disabled persons on the 3rd of December. We had some, we've got some fantastic support in the area and we wanted to feature more than one group. So, Sex with a Difference were featured in December and going into January will be a different group. Okay, well, without further ado, uh, shall I do the necessary? Please. Trumpeters, take it away! So the January community hero in the spotlight is... Guide dogs. Absolutely. Well, you know, I had heard about guide dogs, but up until interviewing the lovely Claire, who's their volunteer coordinator, uh, I really realised how little I knew about the organisation. Anyway, without further ado, uh, let's go to my interview with Claire. So Claire, uh, welcome to Hope FM and many congratulations to you and to the guide dogs for being selected as the community hero in the spotlight uh, for for January. Now, I guess a lot of us will think we know a lot about the guide dogs, certainly about what you guys do. But explain a wee bit. I mean, it's a national charity, but of course, it's divided into local areas, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, Guide Dogs is is um, UK wide, but I'm based in the Southampton community team and we cover quite a big area. So Hampshire, Dorset, Wiltshire, the Isle of Wight and the Channel Islands. Um, we've got several regions. We're based sort of regionally and our region is southwestern Wales and our main regional hub is actually in Bristol. Now, am I right in saying that in Dorset there's something like 19,000 people who have uh, impaired, uh, you know, sight of one kind or, or another? 
of that quite large number, I mean, how many folk are you able to help? Well, we're supporting about 33 people in Dorset at the moment with guide dogs. Um, so they're they're already in a guide dog partnership. Um, I mean, we we don't, it isn't just, I know the guide dog service is the one that most people know about, but we also provide support um, to children and young people through our habilitation specialists. So with children that have just been diagnosed or they're beginning to lose their sight, then Guide Dogs is here for the families to get some support. There's lots of services that we offer. Um, I mean, the best thing to do is to phone our guideline um, and then you can have a conversation with with um, some specialists. There, We do lots of things. We do um, provide education support. We do family days, um, events. We do time to play for naught to four-year-olds where families can meet others that have children with a visual impairment and they can just build a bit of confidence through play, nice stories, um, sensory sensory play. We provide um, customised books for children and young people um, where they're um, so the books are large print and they're printed on different coloured paper to match the child or the young person's sight condition, just to try and help them to access books that everybody, other other children would like to read and try to to build, you know, encourage people to read no matter what their sight impairment, their vision impairment is. Now, of, um, all, of all the things that you could have done in, in life, uh, what was it attracted you to work for, for, for guide dogs as a charity? I just think they do such an amazing job. I mean, one in five people will lose their sight during their life, which is a huge amount. And I think I think one of the things that I've noticed when I've spoken to people with sight loss is how isolating it can be. And I think that the charity guide dogs just sort of helps to, to enable people to live the life that they want to live, despite their their, their vision impairment or their sight loss condition. So to be able to get out and to do to live the way you want to live, regardless of whether you can see as well as the next person, I think is amazing. And it's 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 a wonderful charity to work with. I mean, I'm I work on the volunteer side, so I'm a volunteering coordinator. So I'm trying to encourage more volunteers to join, um, and that's the best bit because they're a wonderful bunch of people. Uh, yeah, well, I would say amen definitely to that. And what a wonderful job you have to work, work alongside them. So how do you go about recruiting people to be volunteers and what, what do they do? Well, we've got loads of different volunteer roles. So my my job as a volunteer coordinator, I go out and about um, to events. We do I do pop up stalls at the garden centres or volunteer recruitment events all over the patch. Um, and then I do radio interviews <laughs> and uh um we write letters articles in newsletters and magazines um social media um but the volunteer roles we so they're all our dogs so when our for our guide dogs when they're puppies we have volunteer puppy raisers that look after the puppy in their own home and then they they're with them for about from when they're about eight weeks old until they're between 14 and 16 months. 
And those volunteers of ours have a huge role to play in the development and socialization of those puppies to make them future life changers. And it's an, um, I take my hat off to them. They're brilliant volunteers because it's a full on job. I mean, you've got this puppy in your house. You're taking them out and about, introducing them to new environments um, and socializing them and trying to teach them the right behaviors. Um, and it's it's just incredible. And then when they're 14 months, we have volunteers that have them as when they're training in training. So our fosterers have them during the evenings and at weekends. And during the daytime, they go to training school <laughs> and yeah. our guide dog trainers train them up and our volunteers look after them in the evenings and weekends. And I suppose those people form a relationship with dogs. I mean, dogs are so special to people. I mean, in fact, very often, they, you know, when you go out for a walk these days, you see people with their, with their dogs. And the funny thing is, if you haven't got your dog with you, they won't talk to you. But if, yes. you, if you've got your dog, they, they want to stop and have a little chat. But it must be really difficult for the volunteers at whatever level of the development they're at uh, to say goodbye, to, to pass the dog on to the next stage. I think it is hard. Um, we have some of our puppy raisers have been doing it for years and have they they bring in a new puppy before the before that one for the first one leaves. So they'll have an overlap. Um, and I think that also helps the puppy settle into the new place because the older dog helps them settle. So they um, so they're never really without. But I, I do think it talking to our volunteers, it is a bit heart wrenching, but then they see what's what impact that dog is going to have on somebody's life to know that somebody is going to have this amazing guide dog partnership to be able to go and do the things that they want to do whether it's to go to college or university or work or just get out and about to meet their friends i think it's i think that's what our volunteers see and they can see the the journey that the dog is taking as well so They'll they'll have updates on how the pup is doing and when they get matched and when it's successful and he's passed or she's passed. And I think that's that's what they look at. And that's that's we have to just keep in the front of our minds. And as the volunteer coordinator, I guess that you must be really encouraged by the feedback that you get from those volunteers. It, it, it must be an incredibly rewarding way to do work for the community. Whether it whether, is. You know. And I think I think our volunteers also build really good relationships with each other. It's almost like a community. A lot of our puppy raisers also become fundraiser volunteers. So we always are looking for more um, community fundraisers. So we tend to do it as, a, as community groups. So we have different community fundraising groups across the patch. Mm. And we always look for people that are creative and enthusiastic to get out and raise funds for us um i mean it costs over fifty thousand pounds to look after a dog the guide dog from birth to retirement so our fundraising groups are hugely important and, and they build up does that include the training of the dog that includes the training yeah so everything from 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 when they're born all the way up to retirement so we look after them and that includes all their health care, their vets, vet coverage. And we have dog and health well-being te technicians that support the dog all the way through its life, um, looking after its health and well-being. Um, so they're not, you know, once once they're given to the puppy raiser or given to the fosterer, 
they're not just left. We the guide dogs are there to support them as as we are when they get matched to the guide dog owner. So our clients are always supported all the way through the life of the dog. This is Hope FM. Obviously, we talked about something about the people who receive the dogs, who talked about the volunteer. But let's talk about the dogs a, a little bit. I mean, first of all, uh, what type of, is there a particular breed that, that are easier to train? And, and, and how do you select the dogs? So the most common is the is a is a mix. So it's a mix between the Labrador and the Golden Retriever. Eighty percent of our dogs are that mix, and um, but we also do use purebred Labradors, purebred Retrievers, and also um, German Shepherds or a German Shepherd crossed with a uh, Retriever mix. Very occasionally, we also look at um, the the Labradoodles because they they can be um, good for people that have allergies. Mm. Um, so we need to do, I mean, in terms of the, the how we select a dog, we have um, our own breeding programme um, that has been developed over many years. So they they select the, um, the behaviours or the personality that they want to see, the traits they want to see in a guide dog. So guide dogs need to be quite calm because they want to be able to settle really easily. So if a guide dog owner is working, they're using their guide dog to get them from home to work. But then if they're in an office environment, they want the dog to be able to settle really calmly by them. So they need a dog that's confident because they need to be able to guide and they need to be ahead of the guide dog owner. But they also want them to be calm, <laughs> friendly, obviously, and then also easy to train. Um, our training is all based on um, positive reinforcement. Um so it's where we reward the behaviours that we want to see. So again, having a dog that likes rewards, particularly if it's a food orientated, then it's much easier to train than, than dogs that aren't particularly food orientated. Um, in terms of our breeding programme, we have brood, brood mums and, and dads as well, that we also have volunteers looking after for us in their homes. So they're their pets. Um, and we have uh, um, the, the the puppies are, most of the puppies are born in our volunteers' homes and they stay with them for the first eight weeks and help get socialised. And then they're brought into our, our centre for assessment and they go through the, the puppies go through a sort of like a, a little assessment just to see if they've got the right traits before they then go through the system. Most of them pass. And that process, did you say it's about 18 months from the puppy being born to actually being transferred to the owner? Yeah, possibly up to up to about two years, because it's um, it depends on when the puppy goes first into training, depends on their um, the, the girls. They want to have a first season before they get spayed um, and the boys. It's just when they're developed enough, really, um, to be able to be to go into the more intensive training. The training program takes about 20 weeks um, and then they get matched with a guide dog owner. Um, and then that that takes about five to six weeks for the for the match. Well, um, let's, talk, let's talk about that match. Uh, have, have you ever been present when, when that process has taken place? Um, I did, was very fortunate to go on class. Um, so I did I did um, meet some new guide dog owners with their with their new dogs 
Um, they tend to do a two-week residential where they get to know the dogs really well um, and they get that bonding time. And there they work with what we call our guide dog mobility specialists. So they train the dogs, but they also train the owners how to how to manage the dog and what the commands are. Um, and they also help them learn the routes that they're going to take with that dog. Um, and it is just it's just amazing. I mean, these dogs are what they're trained to do is is fantastic. I mean, they're trained to find chairs, for example. So they put their chin on the chair and the, and the guide dog owner can follow its head down and, and, and see where the chair is. So then you can learn how to sit down. You can feel to sit down. They'll find um, they'll stop at curbs. So if you're walking down a road, they're designed that they're, they're trained to stop at the curb um, to allow the guide dog owner to feel the down step. Um, and they and then they'll go they'll go across the road and also they're trained not to cross if there's a car coming obviously <laughs> so even if the guide dog owner says forward and there's a car coming then the dog won't go so and just things like finding the box on a pedestrian crossing so they can press the button for to wait for the crossing it's it's just lovely yeah really clever so actually, these wonderful guide dogs make a, a huge difference to the, the lifestyle of people who are either completely blind or partially sighted and so on. Uh, they must be overwhelmed uh, with the the support and the assistance that all of a sudden they're given, having up until that point, of course, having to struggle on their, on their own. I think, I think having spoken to quite a few guide dog owners, the the impact having the guide dog has is just amazing, really. It just gives that m so much more freedom and confidence to walk through town. I think having having the long cane is it's really hard work and really stressful trying to um, navigate through um, across, well, through town perhaps or just where they live because um, you can't, whereas the dog will actually see the obstacle and take you around. I also think having a dog makes it um, other people that are seeing you are slightly more accepting, perhaps, um, uh, of of somebody with a, a with a disability. Um, I think I I just and it's also really I it's tough as well. I think because when your guide dog retires, um, there's no guarantee that we'll have. A guide dog ready for you straight away i think there was a bit of a waiting list um so then the impact of going from having a guide dog to suddenly going back to not having one i think is also really tough on, on yeah. yeah yeah really really tough um one of the other things that must be very very difficult for you is to select the people who get the dogs because obviously you've already said that it's a tsunami of need and no doubt increasing one in five people impacted by side loss or in one way or another how do you go about selecting those who are, you're able to provide a, a guide dog for well the first the first part part is that um anybody that is thinking about it or even just wanting help doesn't necessarily need to be a guide dog it's just a phone our guideline number which i can give you it's 0800 781 four. If you call that number, um, somebody from Guideline, one of, one of our um, uh, staff, will just run through a first conversation with you, find out what your condition is, what your site condition is, what you are struggling with, 
um, what you would like support for. And then we go through to something called a second conversation, and that's with our um, vision rehabilitation specialists. And they will find, have it's like a very person-centered conversation, and they'll find a little bit more out about you, what your needs are, what you really want to be able to do, achieve what, in your life. And then they'll put some support in place to help that. And that could be help with life skills, could be something quick wins, like, um, I don't know, if you're struggling to make yourself a cup of tea because you can't see where the where the liquid level is and you're burning yourself, then we've got liquid level indicators, very easy things you can just put on your cup and it makes a beeping sound when the water gets to the top. So you don't have to burn your finger when you're trying to see whether it's full or not. Um, Bump-ons, just little little things that you can put on cupboards to, to see where your mugs are, for, for instance, or what what your food is or tins are, what's you know, what's in them. Right. Um, technology all, all of these things that, that you're talking about of course help to provide some form of normality to people who have sight loss and it makes a huge difference yes it does is the demand does the demand far outstrip what you're able to to do in terms of response yeah i think we we try to fill the gap or we um a lot of a lot of uh, services are provided by the NHS or by your local council, but guide dogs can can fill that gap if there's if there's things missing, um, both for children and for adults. Um, yes, I mean obviously there's always going to be people um, want people that we want to support and, and to need, um, and and yes there is a, a waiting list for guide dogs. Um, unfortunately, with the um, the pandemic, we ended up having to. Um, it had a real impact on on the on the dog program because they, we weren't able to socialise the puppies, so they weren't in a position to be able to um, become proper, you know, really good guide dogs. So um, unfortunately, our um, pass rate for those dogs fell during um, during the pandemic years, and it's starting to come back up. So our success rate is. Is is over sixty percent, but we would like it obviously higher than that. <laughs> um, but those those dogs that don't make it, then we can either rehome or we um, pass. They become buddy dogs for the children. So these yeah. aren't these aren't a mobility aid, but they are something to give a child with sight loss confidence. Um, yeah, I, was, and, I was interested in the, the whole buddy dog scheme for children. So tell us a little bit about what, what they do. What what, what are the, what's their relationship with the children like? Oh, it's brilliant. I mean, the buddy dog just gives the child that so much more confidence. I think I think with children, especially, it can be so isolating. I mean, trying to make friends, um, they can really lose confidence, not know. know and I just think the buddy dog gives them that. Well, it's just any any animal, really, isn't it? It can really help with the family as well and any other children there. Um, they can get a bond, but they can also it also gives them a chance to learn how to look after a dog because maybe in the future when they get old enough, um, they will be having a guide dog of their own. So having had the buddy dog, they'll see what's involved in looking after a dog, um, and they're they're just they're lovely. I mean, I think we've I. I mean, this year, I think, um, I'm just trying to see, we've got, we've had a, 
about 52 children have been partnered with a buddy dog. Mm. And then 256 going at the moment. That's, I mean, that's great. That's lovely. So, Claire, looking forward, if money was no object, uh, what is your greatest need? Is it cash? Is it people? What what would really help the organisation to move forward in the way that, that all of you and your colleagues would hope to do so? I think, I think yes, uh, cash <laughs> donations are always welcome. I mean, we aren't we aren't funded, so it's all funded by donations. And there are lots of ways that you can give. Um, we have a sponsor sponsor a puppy scheme, which costs a pound a week. Um, and people, you get a little pup date uh, a couple of times a year. Um, there's uh, if you're looking to if you would like to do more, you, there's a name a puppy scheme where you can contribute. You can say you can raise. Um, between well, it starts off at two thousand five hundred pounds up to fifty thousand pounds, and there are different levels of name a puppy. And if you if you the base the first rate, you actually get to choose the name of the dog, <laughs> so you can name it. And then um, the lot the higher levels, you actually get to meet the dog as well. Um, so that's really great. You can just donate um, on our website or. Um, we have a guide dog shop, so you can buy things. If there's yeah. any late Christmas presents, perhaps. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, and no, too late. They're a wee bit, they're a wee bit late. Enough. A bit late for that. <laughs> but there's always next year, Claire, isn't there? There's it's always cool. next year, yes. Absolutely. Uh, that, that website that you talked about that has all that information and the facility to give on it, uh, what's the address? So it's www.guidedogs.org.uk org.uk and of course that number that you talked about was uh zero eight double zero seven eight one one treble four that's for people who want to talk about the possibility of of, of obtaining a guide dog or getting into the system or, or other assistance that, that you talked about this is hope fm